Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. I'm your host, Ollie, and I'm joined today by Abby, James, and Sam, and we are going to discuss what we think is a very, very big talking point, discussion point, um, a debate in the F1 world at the moment, and that is F1 Coscat blocking Mercedes. James, do you want to fill us in on, on this story and what's come out in the news? Yes, so James Allison has been talking about Mercedes' struggles with the wind tunnels, and it boils down to basically that Mercedes can't catch up because the wind tunnel lags behind and so they're looking for massive gains rather than small steps like they've I think periodically that's how they found their success small consistent gains and we've always seen Mercedes being the best across well as it gets to the latter part of the season their development has always been the best and obviously they're struggling since the the new regulations came in so the big question here, a lot of the comments are like, oh, you know, poor me, poor me, like, woe is me, Mercedes, oh, they, they can't dominate again. That's a real shame for them because they've always outspent the competition, uh, the competition. Now, do you think, well, do you agree with those comments? Do you agree with those comments? Or, And again, just a bigger question is, the cost cap, the right thing for F1. I think it's an interesting one, right? Because the cost cap is meant to level the playing field. Um, but when you look at it, Mercedes have started with a bad concept, so they're trying to play catch-up. And it just feels like they're saying here that um, it's it's almost going to be Red Bull that are always winning because they've had that head start and they can't catch up. It's almost a bit like what James um, James Vowles was saying at Williams about having to try and catch up. Um Sam, do you think? What are your thoughts? Do do you think it's because they started with a bad concept? They're trying to play the catch up, or, or they're just throwing the toys out, Pram? Well, it's certainly that they're playing catch up because they started with a bad concept, and that is 
again, part of the that, that is the negative side of the cost cap is that byproduct that maybe wasn't appreciated before it was implemented is that actually whilst it does level the playing field in terms of ability to develop and how much money you can spend, it also does make it easier to lock in performance advantages if, for, the, for the bigger cars so or bigger teams. So, for example, take Williams, they're going to... Sp- it's going to take them longer. They're going to have to make more incremental gains over a longer period of time to get back to where they previously had been in Formula One, which, as we know, is winning world championships. Likewise with Mercedes, maybe they haven't fallen as far, but it's that much more difficult for them to to make up that ground. So, yeah, ultimately, I think that is, that, that is why this is a, a talking point. I think... Is that enough reason to not have the cost cap? I don't know. I think we're very, very early in that cycle. I think we need to go through generations of cars. So again, come 2026, we'll have a better understanding of the long-term implications of the cost cap. But yeah, it's it's a very difficult conversation to have, particularly when you use, say, Mercedes as, as an example, because they are such a unique, they are the test case for, oh, this hasn't worked and this isn't working for us. But is it not sort of Mercedes dominance over the years that is the reason this cost cap has come in? And uh, I'm interested to know, guys, how how do you think they can, you know, F1 and the FIA can fix this cost cap? Because um, it's like you said, Sam, it's going to take years for this to play out. And Mercedes were so dominant. So that means they they were at the disadvantage with the wind tunnel time because they have got wind tunnel um, penalties. Is that the word? Basically, the higher up you finish in the championship, the, 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 the least time you have in the wind tunnel. Yeah, so they're still impacted by that because, let's face it, they're not, they're not slouches. They're, they're the second to fourth best car on any given weekend. Um, so they are still impacted by that and that will, again, reduce their ability to make those moves. But if you look at many different sports, say you're an NBA team or an NFL team and you have the number one pick in the draft and you pick what you think is going to be the next big thing, but they turn out to be a bust, that sets you back years. You've got this kid on a rookie contract for how many years? You might get rid of them, but you're not getting back back in much in return. And you might have missed your one chance to get a franchise player for the next few years. And you're locked into that mediocrity or even poor level of, of, of play. So these, this isn't specific to F1. That is part and, parcel, part and parcel of it. You might get relegated from the Premier League to the Championship and then not be able to get back up the next season and find yourself slipping down to League One, say like Southampton did a decade or so ago. These things do happen. I think that's the thing. And I think for Mercedes, the main thing is they are a team that strives to be perfect. They strive to always have the perfect car, not just a good car, but the perfect car. Like Red Bull have nailed with these new um, regulations. But Mercedes have struggled. And they're seeing this impact of the wind tunnel not being able to develop fast enough and the hindrance of the cost cap because they started with a concept that they thought would work very well, but it hasn't. And now they're falling behind because they can't just find something in the wind tunnel and then put it into the factory and get it made and then see it on on track on the car. They have, like James Allison said, they have to keep finding something, finding something, finding something, and then make it worth the cost that it will take to make it and develop it and put it on the car. And I think that's the crux of the issue, that they started off on the wrong foot and now they are trying to play catch up. And it's not necessarily down to the cost cap. That's not the sole issue here. I think it is just how Mercedes went about things. It's, you've almost got to 
write off a certain amount of development and go, you know what, we're too far to catch up in, in, in this area or catch up for a certain while. We're going to have to accept being bad for longer in hopes that we can store that money in the development time and whatever it is, and then you know, cut, cut across the development curve later down the line, as opposed to kind of constantly playing catch up incrementally. You've almost got to hold back to then really, really put an offensive on the development race. If that makes sense, it's quite difficult to articulate. But then, is that the problem that was always going to happen with the cost cap? Was normally, whenever we have a new set of regulations, we see a team jump miles ahead initially. Mercedes, Braun, I mean, okay, they couldn't keep it up. Red Bull were really the ones who then profited there. <laughs> it was always likely that someone was going to nail the regulations, and then the cost cap was basically going to set that down domination in which was again what like we said what it was supposed to avoid happening are you kind of saying that they may so it's not this what i read from that is not so much the cost cap but more you almost need a softer launch to regulation changes like you need to try and level the playing field at the start of the regulation as opposed to having this big surprise come uh, you know, winter testing in say 2026 when all of a sudden someone has really kind of made the jump and you're like oh look at Braun you know check check those guys out how have they done that you you almost need more control and more the sport to have a, be- a better way of leveling the playing field from day one and then letting the development race kick in yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think you're onto something there, Sam. Because uh, again, this was quite a unique change of, of regulations because we had the the delay due to COVID. So we had that, um, you know, that that extra year of the old regulations, which was 2021, obviously, when we had Max and Lewis um, fighting it out to the very end. But it felt like Red Bull had really switched off their attention on that 21 car um, earlier, but much more early on than Mercedes and a lot of their efforts going on to the next year. So. Did they get the advantage from from that? Um, I thought it was the opposite way around, wasn't it? You know, Mercedes was saying, oh, we've abandoned summer break. I think Silverstone, they said, oh, no more upgrades to this car. And Red Bull was the one saying, oh, we're going to commit to getting the championship. And then they managed to do both in the end. That's because they've got Adrian Newey and he can concentrate on multiple things at the same I think that's time. It. I think they knew they had the, the master of uh, yeah ground yeah. Contro- ground control. That's a totally different <laughs> major Tom. Um, <laughs> I think if we look back, actually, and maybe this was naive of me. You know, I don't. I can't speak for you guys, but I remember thinking the Red Bull would be the ones who suffered most from that twenty twenty one fight. I think that was a consensus. I think that's what people expected. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they put so, absolutely everything to finally get those Mercedes, right? You're, you're right now, James. I did get it the wrong way around. But you're, you're talking about that as well. I mean, that's only because of COVID. It, the plan for F1 was to have the cost cap begin as the new regulations came in, which might have been even worse. I mean, although I guess Ferrari were closer to Red Bull. It was uh, the technical directive that really screwed them over. Uh, on, They've on developed backwards. And yeah, that. I mean, that's not the cost cap, that's Ferrari. That's, you, know, you can't legislate for that. No. Um, some teams, you know, negative growth is a is a concept and that is something that Ferrari have seemingly bought quite heavily into. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, there's... I don't want F1 to be a spec series. I don't think many people do want F1 to be a spec series. That is ultimately not what F1 is about. But 
I, I do think building on what James was saying before and what I then kind of followed with, yeah, the the bigger issue here is probably not the cost cap, but those uh, initial gains being locked in because everyone's then able to progress at the same rate. Do you somehow find a way of having, and I don't want it to get too complicated because, you know, in like in American sports, you have like a hot, a hard cap and then luxury tax and all those other concepts. But actually to draw upon politics or American politics, where you have soft money and hard money in terms of donations and what parties can use in election for various different things like ads and so on and so forth. Do you almost need a concept where there are different limits and much like wind tunnel time, you get, say, more soft money if you finish eighth, ninth, tenth in the championship than the teams that finish first, second, third. But everyone has the same hard cap limit in terms of that is the the you know that is the money that you're always allocated throughout the season. And then other teams are then boosted up. So you then do start to and again, like we've seen it in endurance racing, how they nerf engines to try and find parity. This isn't a an alien concept in motorsport to try and manipulate the field to get better racing. Yeah, and I think what we're clearly seeing is that wind tunnel time does not equal gains. Um, so I'm not going to go through in detail how the wind tunnel works, but essentially uh, 100% of your allocated wind tunnel time is about 50 shifts in the wind tunnel, which is eight hours. Um, and then depending on your championship position from the previous, previous year, you get a, a percentage allowance. But my point is here, um, 115% of their allowance, so they got the most wind tunnel time out of everyone, um, was AlphaTauri. Um, they haven't seen huge gains. Williams was uh, 110%. Haas was 105%. Alfa Romeo, 100%. Um, Red Bull had 63%, and they're still dominating, right? So when you look at this, how long does it take from that wind tunnel time to get the, the benefits out of it? And is that too long? It, it, do these things match up? But but also, are all wind tunnels created equal? I'd argue no. An older wind tunnel isn't going to be as effective as a bigger team's brand new wind tunnel. So there, you, you, those percentages get get warped further still. And that's been Whereas the problem ever, for Mercedes is their, discrep- exactly. their discrepancies between their wind tunnel and what they've seen on the track and why they brought the zero pots and then they didn't work. Uh and I, I know you touched on Williams earlier. I believe they asked if they could have an, like an extension on the budget cap to bring yeah, their factory yeah. and their, yeah, their generally the, the way that they work up to current standards. Into, and Well, into the 21st century, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that wasn't allowed. And is that another problem? Could Williams be more solidly in the midfield if that if the cost cap weren't there and they've got this new investment, but it came in a bit too late? See, ultimately, to to go back to your question, I think, yeah, it does take too long. And all these other external factors, it's very much a multifaceted reason as to why those gains are baked in for longer than they should be. And you can't make a jump as easily as you may be used to. And I mean, even if you do, you'll probably pay for it later. We're seeing that with Aston Martin. They made some substantial gains, but they couldn't sustain them. It came at a cost later in the season. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and you get given your pocket money, do you want to spend your pocket money straight away or do you want to save it? 
and buy something bigger down the line. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> so it's <laughs> Ollie's laughing because you know exactly what I mean. Yeah, I know exactly um, what you mean. And I'm thinking you were the, that guy that saved it and I was that guy that spent it. I honestly can't remember. I think I blanked out a lot of my childhood. But that's a whole other podcast. Abby, you've been extremely quiet. Do you want to give us your final thoughts on cost caps and wind tunnels? Well, I think everyone had the right idea with the cost cap to try and level the playing field. But as we've said, it hasn't quite worked. But I do agree that with what you guys have said, Sam and James, about how they need to start off more level and more equal, all 10 teams. And then you see the development race. I think that would be more exciting to see each team then develop and grow throughout the season steadily and equally. So it is more fair rather than one team making massive gains over the winter and then coming out a field ahead of everybody else. If you see them all developing and increasing their performance throughout the whole season, that would be better in my opinion. Abby, do you think that they should almost have a full-on winter shutdown? Like you yeah. can't develop in the winter. You have to start at the start of the season. That yeah, that could be a solution because you have the bigger teams obviously having more resources and more money in general. And they would be able to make more gains than others, like Mercedes and Williams. We've said before, you mentioned it on this podcast, that Williams, their infrastructure, their factories and that are more outdated than those of the top teams. So if you if they get up to date eventually, and then everyone starts at the beginning. You can brainstorm and whatever over the winter, but to actually start putting things into place, if you all start at the same point, that would be better. It's such a dif- difficult thing to perfect, isn't it? I mean, we've seen that across so many sports. I, there is no perfect solution. I mean, FFP and football and we've still they're finding loopholes the smartest financial minds who are hired by these teams will always find a way and the wind tunnel was clearly their attempt to try and keep things level and whoever's doing the best gets a little you know uh, a sandbag to use F1 terminology but it's just not working if Red Bull didn't have Adrian Newey if he'd actually gone off and done his sailing boats and had his proper semi-retirement they, this could have been an incredible season. I mean, we could be saying, oh, the cost cap's amazing. It's the best thing ever. But it's just the fact that Red Bull nailed it and now no one has the opportunity really to catch up because they're all hamstrung to the same amount. Which is, again, another reason why we need to let this fold through a few different generations. Mm. It because does feel so, though. Like, it's a yeah. long time to wait. It, well, it feels like we've got the, the fastest sport in the world and we're the development timeline is like watching a time lapse, right, in comparison. It, it's just so slow. Yes, but also, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think a lot of us have worked for companies, worked in places where they try a concept for a few months or maybe a year or two and it doesn't work and they they wind it back all the other way. It's like, okay, so my my mum and my stepdad they have a dog and my da- my stepdad if the dog doesn't immediately respond to a different type of parent a certain type of parenting he goes oh it's not working and then try something entirely new and you've got to give it time to actually see o- over an extended period of time look at the the results look at the data and go okay what is this telling us i just don't think we're anywhere near that point with the cost gap 
Okay, well, let us know your thoughts. Like dog training, these things do take a while. Um, email us. How do we fix this? How can F1 do better? Uh, we're interested to hear what you think. Email us, info at formulanerds.com. Uh, we'll read out any great ideas we get on the show, so make sure you uh, you, you let us know. Um, thank you very much, Abby, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, James, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And Sam, thank you for telling us about how to train a dog. No, I'm not. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not actually a dog person. Was, I'm more of a cat person, but I guess the, the it's, it's still it's still the same situation, right? Even with a cat. So, yes, you're welcome. Um, make sure you join us on the next episode where we're going to talk about Verstappen and his future or not in F1. But until then, we will see you next time. Goodbye. You're listening to the Come to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.